Hello and welcome to the Big Red Podcast. We are here to help you navigate the crazy world of change, growth, and the occasional office freakout. Join us for a lighthearted yet informative take on how to scale your company and career without going cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. So grab a cup of coffee, take a deep cleansing breath, and let's dive in. Welcome to hopefully another engaging episode of the Big Red Podcast, where we talk about how the front line helps the bottom line and help you navigate your career and ever-evolving change happening in your organization. Um, this week is, uh, you know, it's it's important to me that before we kind of get into this week's topic, that I take a moment to just, you know, put something out there. Um, I think we can all agree that trust is important and... I need to get something off my chest and I needed a, I owe an apology to you, Tristan and to Dallas. Whoa. I owe an apology I to know. our listeners. Fascinating um, start. This is supposed to be a funny, light, light, lighthearted podcast. I'm, look, there are a lot of things I've done in my life that I'm not proud of, but I had an exceedingly embarrassing, not proud moment happen last time we met. And I want to say that I know it was Greedo and Han. <laughs> I know that. I know. We, we <laughs> fucked that up in a I huge way. I still know that. My daughter, who is three years old, even knows who Greedo is. I was, I was full disclosure, I was sick. There's a lot of things happening. But honestly, I, I don't even know who I am anymore. Like, I have to burn 95% of my wardrobe. I have to burn because I'm not a real fan. Yep. How did yep. I mess Boba Fett? Get out of here. He didn't even show up until the Christmas special. Like, what am I doing? Until yeah. the Christmas special, you fucking nerd. <laughs> <laughs> so I just want to say, when you know better, you do better. I know better. That's right. I am so sorry. I have to own that mistake that I made, I am mortified. I don't even, I am in such a blind rage of self-loathing right now that that happened. It's <laughs> you promising to be better. I will be better. My kid's going to hear this one day. That's all we can ask for. My kid's going to hear this one day and know, like, wow, I don't even know who she is. Messed I like that you think your kid's going to want to listen to this. <laughs> a valid point. So on that note, I thought, what an interesting topic. What a weight, what a, what something we can talk about is owning mistakes, right? Uh, especially starting out in the customer service industry, you're on the front line, you're kind of paid to just say, yeah, I'm sorry, my bad. But in general, like mm-hmm. throughout our careers, like our careers have not been perfect. We have made a ton of mistakes. I make them every single day. Hell, I had to do a big apologies today at work to somebody because of a mistake I made. So I just want to, I just think it's an interesting topic. Let's dig in. Like, I would love to hear from Tristan or Dallas or whomever, like once a time you've made a mistake and more importantly, how did you deal with it? Right. I think that's the key is what you do once you've, you've made that mistake. So what's the add some context though? Customer mm-hmm. facing mistake. You tell me. Internal Does mistake. It all, it just, it pick all. pick oh, your poison, geez. man. Well. Okay, so I'm gonna put this out there, just one thing, and then um like I want you like kick it around with me. Um when we talk about mistakes, right? So it's the, um, the idea that it's, it's how we respond, right? Mistakes are going to happen, but it's our response that we kind of want to dig into. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to hear. I mean, look, I will, I'll share a fun one since it's going to be most coming from me. I, I, I fuck up all the time. Ask my wife. She's always ready and standing by to tell you just how many times I've done that in the last 30 seconds. Right. I, I remember starting out, you know, really early on, it, working a phone and 
This woman called in and she was extremely upset. She happened to have a British accent. I thought I was on mute. I turned to the person behind me and said, this lovely woman would like her <sighs> bill to be sorted out. And I heard her say, I don't have time for this shit and hang up. And I was like, ooh. And our calls are recorded. So like there was a lot of a lot of things happening there. I've done things where I've deleted accidentally spreadsheets that maybe weren't recoverable. Like I have done the gamut of mistakes. All right. Yeah. You reminded me of a story then. I was working at a company long ago. Uh, I was working towards a promotion that you'd put me on the path of. I had to become a CS3, so uh, which is like a customer support level three. Um, my wife often sits next to me when we work remotely. And so we chat in between tasks and calls and stuff like that. Wrapped up a call and um, dropped my headset around your neck like you do and turned to my wife and just started bad mouthing this lady in every way. How dumb she was. Why couldn't she figure this out herself? Da, 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 da. Three minutes of it. Put my headphones back on to take the next call. And I hear in my ear, is that how you talk about all of your customers? <gasps> Oops. Oh, I just died inside. <laughs> <laughs> so did I. So what'd you do? I said, how can I make this right? And she said, give me a month's credit. I said, I'll give you three months credit if this never gets a word out to anyone. She said, <laughs> done. I applied the three months credit because I was on a promotion path and had recently been given that privilege. Um, wrote the ticket up that um, we had made a mistake that the uh, that the um, the server that she was using had had an outage. Um, put my name on it and sent it on away, and I never heard another word of it. So did I handle it right? No. No, I did not. Um, I did not respond to that mistake the ethical or moral way. Um, but I kept her happy. Okay. So <laughs> it's an interesting hair to split, but that's definitely a, uh, a mistake that I, ha I had the opportunity. I had the, the privilege or authority, I guess, depending on how you want to look at it, to immediately cover it up. Um, but that has always stuck with me that there's a big difference between covering up a mistake by making it right with the customer and owning the mistake. Cause what I should have done is reached out and said, I did X, Y, and Z. And here's what happened because what would have happened if that call had been randomly selected for a recording lesson, I'd have lost my job. Yeah, that's an interesting one because you're right. You're when we talk about owning a mistake, is it covering up the mistake or, you know, having that difficult conversation with someone about the mistake that was made? Yeah, I should have reached out to and said, you know, it's my boss, the Lindsay, she's the, my team lead at the time and said, this just happened. This is what I did to, to make it right with the customer, but I should have told her. And then I would have had political cover and I would have been morally and ethically right. I would have, I would have owned the mistake by talking to someone and saying, this is what I did and this is what I'm going to do to make sure it never happens again. So let me ask you this. Why did you not do that? Yeah, now you're going to be in real trouble. <laughs> I know. <laughs> no, I don't care. It's been years. It's been years. Ten years later. All right. So we're going to put no. you on a performance improvement <laughs> plan because <laughs> um, – no, because uh, at the time um, I was feeling very, very good about the path and I didn't that I was on and I didn't want anything to interrupt it in any way. Um, you know, and this is I was immature. I'll, I'll be honest. I mean, I'm still immature. But at the time I was I had no 
uh, what's the way to put it? I had no, I didn't have enough life experience to understand that was the right thing to do. And that showing vulnerability like that is actually a sign of strength. Let me uh, see if I can boil that down for you. Would you say it was because you were afraid? Oh, absolutely. 100%. I mean, terrified. Terrified. So yeah. you were afraid yeah. of the consequences, so you covered it up. Yep. Do, do you think that speaks to the lack of trust you had at that point in the company to have your back, that we are all human? It was, I would say it was 60% that and 40% that I didn't trust myself to uh, own the mistake in a mature way, that I didn't okay. trust myself enough to uh, make the philosophical leap from this is going to be okay. I mean, from I fucked up to this is going to be okay. And here's the pathway to okayness. Gotcha. Yeah. What about you, sure. Tristan? Anything a little less, uh, a little less, um, uh, <laughs> scary as like, I just pulled this customer there a dick, <laughs> not thinking they were going to hear that. Yeah. Like that, so I've, you know. I've got tons of examples. <laughs> I mean, it's like, to your point, mistakes are made all the time. It's, it's how you respond to them. And I think to Dallas's point, as you mature, you realize it's having an open and honest conversation with someone usually is, goes mm -hmm. a long ways and, you know, gets you over the situation and maybe in better terms, but how far back do we want to go for examples? Do you want like old school tech examples? Do you want like new Whatever, school tech man, examples? I'm just, I think it's, it's an important conversation. Everyone oh, makes man. mistakes okay. and I, you know, it can be individual. I think here in a second, we're going to talk about what do you do when a company makes a strategic mistake, right? Sure. What do you do? How do oh. you navigate that? Right. So. All right. So I'll give a couple quick ones then. Long, long time ago, we used to long, have to repair. Long, time ago. <laughs> we used Tristan to have to repair really fucked up yeah, and he did like something that. that was really bad. Long, long time ago, we used <laughs> to have to repair computers, right? We didn't just buy a whole new one, right? There were parts that you could swap out. So motherboards were a big one, right? Mother, motherboard goes bad. You keep the same components. You swap out that motherboard and away you go. Your system's back to normal. Everything's working the way it should. So I think this has got to be like early 2000s, maybe. Yeah, early 2000s. <clears throat> I had to swap out a motherboard for someone. So computers there, stack of motherboards that was just stock. Put one in. It didn't work right away. So, okay, fine. It was a bad one, whatever. Swapped out another one. That one didn't work. Uh-oh. Okay. That one wasn't work. That was a bad one, too. Like, it, it happened. Like, there was always dead on arrival type parts. So, okay, pick another one off the shelf. Put that one in. That one didn't work. And then I started to get got suspicious. What the heck's going on? So, on the back of a motherboard, there's all the components, all the, the solders, the wiring, all that kind of fun stuff. Um, there's a small little post that attaches to the bottom of the case that mm -hmm. the motherboard sits on. Well, there was this one post that I didn't put in the right spot. So every time the motherboard would sit on it and power on, the thing would just short out. Oh, no. <laughs> no. So, yeah. Yeah. It took, it took a while. They had to how figure much, that one out. How much cost do you think that was? It's tough to say because components Back in the day, motherboards the weren't cheap, right? so much. Exactly. To Dallas's point, they weren't cheap. So, I mean, it was... It was probably upwards of a thousand dollar mistake, you know. And back then, it was a decent amount of money. I was young, so I was, you know, felt number oh. one felt like an idiot, right? But then had to go explain it to someone, which oh, man. was difficult too. So, how did your explanation go? Um, I basically explained what happened. Like that's, mm -hmm. hey, this is what happened. You know, um, apologies galore, but this is how it went, and sorry to go through all your stock you had. 
Because <laughs> <laughs> so it came uh, at a cost to that customer. It wasn't really oh, the yeah. customer right. stock I was using. So, yeah. Well, what about times where you've had to apologize or own a mistake that you had no control over, right? So that's, yeah, that's that's my next example. So in a previous job where we're backing up a customers or number of customers environments, right? You go through a process of understanding what's in that environment to back up. Without checks and balances in place, sometimes systems are missed and they're not backed up. And then when they need a restore of that system, the backup doesn't exist. So then explaining that to a customer becomes extremely difficult because mm-hmm. data is lost and it is completely on us. Maybe I didn't perform the install, but I'm having to talk to that person and try to help them understand why it was missed. And in those situations, it, it is difficult, but the conversation always is pretty much the same. Look, Mr. Customer, this is what happened. We didn't have checks and balances in place. We're working on improvements to make that checks and balances process there and live so that in the future, this doesn't happen. Now, how do we fix your problem now? We can't, but let's work through different scenarios. Do you have an older backup? Mm-hmm. Do you have this? Can we, can we manually do anything to help? Um, but again, just being open and honest and telling the customer that hopefully their issue prevents further issues down the line. Yeah, it's, It's so interesting. So one of the things I've really kind of started to embrace and think about is like, I'm in the problem business. That is what I do. I help Mm -hmm. solve problems, whether it's a customer problem or an operational problem at a company. Like, that's just what I do. I'm in the problem business. As much as I curse it sometimes, I'm like, goddamn, Rassifresser, for someone would just turn off a goddamn light because I've turned into my father as I've aged. Um, (laughs) It's what we do. And I think that there is this misconception that we go into things as – you know, businesses that we have to always have a right, mm-hmm. that that yep. things have to always work. Everything is always on. And I think because yep. of this pressure that we have, people are less likely to own up to their mistakes. I mean, there's times where honestly having that difficult conversation and saying, look, man, look, customer, we really screwed this up and I, this is how we're going to try to fix it or make it right in the future goes a lot further than it working all the time. I think it goes kind of yes. a little bit to yep. what you were saying, Dallas, about vulnerability and the fear of owning that mistake mm-hmm. is actually a strength. So to your, yeah, I think you nailed it. And I think it's, uh, without like us getting off the beaten path, um, it's a, it's an American cultural issue, right? Just being able to say, uh, we were wrong and this is what we're doing to fix it. Nobody, wants to do that because it's seen as a weakness. Um, and that translates across to American business culture. Um, you know, we, we work with a largely international group of people and have for a long time, um, something, uh, all of us have worked with folks from Ukraine and something that I very much admire about their wo- work culture is the ability to just say, this is broken. This is how it was broken. And this is what we need to do to fix it. And they don't look at it as a human failing that it happened. They just, they look at it as this is broken, not I broke this or I made a mistake. It, it just happened. Um, and uh, that's something I think that we in America lose out on in a big way. And it affects our entire work culture, which is corrosive in its way. Well, I think too, trust, like having difficult conversations with customers or superiors, whatever it may be, it, it, you, it creates this trust, right? Mm-hmm. That I think goes a long way as well. 
It's a good point. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's important to own up to your mistakes. Hopefully nobody has the expectation that you're going to be perfect all the time, right? So I expect that of you, Lindsay. Listen, most customers, unfortunately, do expect things to go perfect yeah, all the that's time. True. That's just their expectation. So, Lindsay, let me ask you this then. So we talk a lot about the 80-20 rule, right, where 80% of your customers are going to be just fine and you're going to spend 20% of your effort on them and then 20% of your customers are going to take 80% of your effort. So when understanding that we've made a mistake with one of those customers that fits in that 20% of our a 20% block that takes 80% of our effort. How do we, um, let me rephrase, how do you find ways to manage owning a mistake and working through the repercussions of that mistake against the needs of our, our other customers? Obviously it depends on how egregious the, the mistake is, but I think I'm going to go, I'm going somewhere with this guy. So I'm going to go off the path a little bit here, but I think it will hopefully answer your question. Um, there used to be this saying that the customer is always right. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think I've always felt this way. That is the wrong, you're asking the wrong question. Is the customer always right? You need to focus on the problem at hand and be on the same side of the net with the customer. We yes. have a problem we're trying to solve. It's not together. a customer yeah, yeah. together. Mm-hmm. It's you not a customer problem, is so. always right. I was on a I, recently somebody said to me, my job is to tell the customer yes, no matter what. I said, that is a <laughs> false. No, absolutely not. My job is as a parent is to set my child up for success in this world. Ultimately, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I'm just trying to raise a not serial killer. I don't know that I'm succeeding, <laughs> but that's my goal. So if my daughter wants to touch a hot stove, it is my job to not say, whatever you want, dear. The customer's always right. Right. It's to say, no, we're not going to touch that because of this and redirect her attention somewhere else because mm-hmm. toddlers are psychos. Right. So to answer your question, like how you like, I just, I try to go in with a mindset of there is a problem regardless of which percentile this customer falls into and let's attack the problem together. And sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes the answer is I can't fix this. We have screwed Mm -hmm. up so badly that honestly you should find somewhere else to be, but being that honest and focusing on the same side of the net as the customer really puts you in a place where you become trusted because you don't have ulterior motives. You're not trying to sell somebody. You're trying to solve the problem. Yep. On that note, so the customer is always right. It's a it's a bad way of thinking. What that expression originally meant is the customer, not a customer, not any customer. Your market is always right. If your customer base is asking for X and you're selling Y, they're going to go somewhere else. So it doesn't mean that some jerk that's paying you is always totally 100% right. What it means is that 80% that's paying you and is doing exactly what you need them to do is your ideal customer. That's the customer that's always right. So, Lindsay, to your point, that other 20%, it's about reorienting their expectations and focusing on the issue and getting us both on the same side of the net. So what do we do? So, you know, that's customer facing. And obviously, like we're talking about support operations, we believe is the front line, how it affects the bottom Mm -hmm. line, and then how you make things better for the front line so they can do their job. Scalable buzzwords insert here. Right. So I get all of that. What about when it's a decision 
it's an internal decision or process or thing that doesn't necessarily affect the customer, but it affects the internal folks, right? As a leader, how do you navigate when a strategy decision was simply wrong? Navigate still performing that strategy or navigating it like pushing back and coming up with different ideas? Therein lies the question, my friend. Fair enough. So, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. So at times I've had customers, um, where I was dealing with an escalation in a way where I knew that the outcome was going to be different than the strategic direction that I had been ordered to take that escalation. Um, so I followed my orders, but I was trying so hard to like turn the ship despite me not being any part of the steering team. You know what I mean? So I burned myself out hard doing that more than once. So in answer to your question, Lindsay, I don't know. I have never figured that out. Yeah, that's in. So, you know, there are going to be times where the strategic decisions are made that you simply don't agree with. But if you don't agree with them, sometimes you have to trust your leadership and, and go down the path with them and try to make it better mm-hmm. as you go, right? Yeah. Try, try to, you know, as you're going through the processes or whatever the change may be, if you don't agree with it, you know, you got to, again, this is a trust with your, with your leadership to be able to suggest changes or um, maybe talk through why it's not a great idea or a better way to do it or whatever it may be. I would push on just to double click or push on that a little bit, Dallas. <laughs> It sounds to me that perhaps there were different end goals. You had an end goal of X. The strategy said the end goal is Y. And because those two didn't meet, it was extremely disenchanting. Definitely. And I think that's like you just you hewed to the root as you tech, you know, typically do. Um, that's where the conception of it being a mistake comes from. Right. Is I want to achieve, like you said, X and they want to achieve Y. Um, you know, typically speaking, I get emotionally involved and this is something I've been working on, which is a mistake too, that I'm, I'm owning right here is I get emotionally close to the issue and with certain customers, sometimes I want to tell them to kick rocks, right? But the strategic conception behind any given customer might be looking at, Hey, their logo is worth keeping They're a loss leader, or maybe they're extremely profitable, right? So there's all kinds of of discussions that are held behind the scenes oftentimes by your leaders. So Tristan, to your point, right, they're giving you instructions. It's best to fall in line and follow it. If you, if you just want to keep your career moving, if you just want to kind of keep the peace, but you've got a golden opportunity there to start changing how folks think about things, even if you don't win that battle. So Tristan, I think you hit the nail on the head. You can, you can win the war. You don't have to win every battle. Yeah, exactly. And I think yep. that comes down to just the trust you have in, in your leadership. But I, yeah, the expectations that you had in going into that one versus what the, mm-hmm. the and but to be to be fair, maybe there was some ownership on the leadership to explain the why to you better, like why they had thought why was the reason. Because at the end of the yeah. day, like, hopefully you don't have the expectation that every time you raise the red flag and say this is not the right way to go, that people are going to go, oh, Dallas knows also we're going to turn right. it right or, you know, whomever it is we're talking about. Um, but well, 
So, okay, Lindsay, let me turn the question around on you because you, you brought up an interesting point. How do you navigate having uh, a subordinate that is kind of bucking the trend of what leadership strategic direction needs to be when you're not at liberty to explain that? Well, I cry a lot and heavily drink. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, and I eat my emotions. Is this the same podcast? Um, yeah. No. So there are times, and this is hard. This is was really hard to navigate where I would be like, I want to tell this guy what really is happening. And if they fucking knew, like, mm-hmm. but you can't. And there's a level yep. of maturity where you have to take your ego out of it and say, this one I didn't, he just doesn't get. Or she right. or she doesn't get. They're just not going to get. I know at the end of the day that I was in my character and that this is how it happened and this is the strategy and this is the reason, right? Mm-hmm. You know, especially if it's a, usually when it's a confidential situation, it's because there's people involved or big budget decisions are being made. Right. I have to be mature enough and know that sometimes I'm going to be the ass, just like sometimes, most times with my kid, I'm going to be the enemy. Nice. Way to yep. tie it back. Well done. So, um, Tristan, I got a question for you. So, Tristan and I report up through Lindsay, right? Um, Have for a long time and I want to for a long time. I like working for her. So Tristan, say we don't have a relationship with somebody like Lindsay, right? It's just some jerk that we're working for. How do you navigate those, right? Because you've been in that position, you know, more frequently than I am. I, I have been. So how do you navigate when you've got some jerk telling you what to do and you don't agree with the, the strategic mistake that they're making? That's an interesting question. Um, so you can all, it, it's, it's tough to navigate as well. So I've been on both sides from the leadership side and, and to what you're describing there. And, and for me, it's, it's really just, I hate to say it, but like proving someone wrong. Fine. You want to do it your way? Then let's do it mm-hmm. your way. We're going to do it. I'm, I'm, ne- I'm going to try my best. I'm going to do it. I'm not going to be insubordinate and not do what I'm, what I'm told. Right. Right. Um, so we'll do it your way. And along the way, if there's things we I see that maybe can be different, we can talk about it. Or at the in the end of whatever process or change we're doing, we can have a discussion about it and, and try to always make it better. Always, I'm always thinking long term. Like, how do we make it better? How do we how do we always constant improvement? Right. Right. We'll do it your way. If it doesn't work, we'll try it a different way. We'll try it my way. We'll try it Dallas's way. We'll try it Lindsay's way. Whatever it may be. But the it's, last it's, thing we should do is try it Lindsay's way. Well, yeah, absolutely. Always, always. I, I, I approve of this message. But it's, <laughs> it's always thinking that longer term, how do we make it better? Because nothing's mm-hmm. ever going to be perfect. So, yeah, go through the, the shit, you know, for lack of a better term in the beginning and think of ways to make it better going forward. I like that, actually. Just let them prove themselves wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it also maybe that's some expectation setting you kind of have to do as an individual. Like, just like the we we were saying, the customer shouldn't expect that things are going to be perfect. Yeah. We need to level yeah. set our expectations. There's these just like our parents are humans, and as we get older, we find out. Oh God, they were just humans. They did not know everything. Holy shit! What am I going to do? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm well, projecting well, dumpy, right? But yeah, the like happiness is low expectations. Yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> but I want to kind of circle back to one thing that Dallas said last episode, which is where people don't quit bad companies; they quit bad leaders and bad managers. Yep. And I think if you have yeah. enough of those examples where they just didn't listen and you don't feel feel heard. Fail. Yes. Yes. But yes. you have to give people the opportunity to grow and learn as, as their own. I exactly. literally mm-hmm. today had a conversation with somebody where I walked in. And I said, I need to apologize to you. First and foremost, I need to say, I am so sorry. I handled that completely incorrectly. 
Yeah. I should have done X, yeah. Y, and Z and given space. I should have set you up so that you didn't feel blindsided by what happened. That was on me. I'm going to learn from that. I need to be better and I will. That being said, let me explain. And we went from there. So yeah. that's a great question you bring up, like kind of obliquely. How do you handle a mistake when you know your course of action was right, but how you handled it was wrong? You have to be self-aware enough to, and your ego has to go. You have to ego say, has to, I yeah. messed Definitely. up. You have to be able to say, I made a mistake. I'm not the smartest person in the room. You know, mm-hmm. tell me how to be better. You got to be vulnerable to these things. I 1000% agree. When mm-hmm. I was first coming up um, and, and uh, I, I, I wanted to be a leader, but I had a fucking temper on me and then some. Um, and uh, it, there was a couple of people that worked on me that basically said exactly what you're saying, that you have to put yourself last. And if you're putting yourself yep. last, your temper is not going to go off. Um, now I still make the mistake. I don't get as angry anymore, but I still get emotionally too close to issues. Um, but by, by learning how to like put my tempers last, um, I'm getting better at that very thing, putting my ego back there and I'm finding it easier to go back, find it much, much easier than I was in my thirties for sure to go back and say like, look, I screwed up what I said, but I, I mean the, the point that I made. Um, so how do you avoid that in the first place? Right. I mean, I think I was just going to kind of segue to this next question, which is how do as leaders, what advice are we from the front line giving them? Like, how do you make sure your your leaders can create an environment that is open to mistakes and has that right. trust? Or as leaders, how do you create that? The way I've always created it is doing what we've been talking about is making mistakes and then going back and saying, hey, shit, I fucked this up. You were right. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> also mistakes. for help. Yeah. So right. fail yes. forward. Dallas says fail forward. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Um, yep. <laughs> I ask for help. You know, ask questions, right? There's always ask questions. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's when you're sitting in meetings, too, I find it funny where you know, a lot of silence, but if you're the person asking questions, you're probably asking questions that everybody else has. They just don't want to ask those things. So learn, ask questions, learn. They may be stupid, but someone's going to benefit from it. Um, and you're going to learn something. Well, I think taking it personally, like let's flip the script. Like I know that I've, you know, early on in my career, like when people would ask questions and giving, giving directive direction directives, um, and they would ask questions, I would be like, God, this is what we're doing. And just shut the fuck up. And why are you asking? Like, God, mm-hmm. <laughs> So as a person, as a human, I just step back and say, asking questions is not the same as saying you're wrong. Correct. Yes. Good point. Yeah. Do you remember way back in the day we worked with a, uh, he was a level four tech. um, And um, Lindsay, you worked real hard with this, this gentleman to really change his opinion on questions. He used to get real annoyed. Any like younger, less experienced tech would come up and he'd get real pissed off because he was being asked, well, how do I do X? And there would be this expectation that they know, or they looked at the right reference material. And Lindsay worked real hard to get him to understand that them coming to him with a question is a sign of respect for his experience. Yep. So I think that's, you know, to answer your question, that's very important to foster that environment where people that are the subject matter experts are able to answer the questions and see it for what it is. 
I, yeah, I think the it kind of goes back to ego for me. Like just kind of in that example of like, why don't they understand? Stop. It's people asking questions is not a morally wrong thing. It does not mean Lindsay, you as yeah. a human are bad and have messed up. Again, that's a separate podcast for me to work, <laughs> work through some of those. Things. Different name on that one. That's absolutely, I'm yeah. open to having. I'm absolutely open to having. But I think it's it's interesting. I think that as we as this evolves and as you evolve in your career and look, we all make mistakes. Hopefully you're in an environment that's okay with it. Uh, one way to test that out is to own up, right? But mm-hmm. at the end of the yep. day, if you own up and there's like, you fucking idiot, that is not the place for you, man. Yep. Life is too short sure. to be abused. And there's, you have so many more opportunities. So a lot of people will take that environment in order to get that paycheck, right? Because maybe it's a really good paycheck, but your runway at a better company is so much better. So it's, I would always take a smaller paycheck for a better company and know that my career has more options and more pathways to growth there than anywhere else. Yeah, Absolutely. For- and for me, I, I'd rather follow a person or a leader yeah. than, and I don't care what company I work for. Um, that That's just my philosophy. It's been that way for a while. Follow the people. Yes. And at the end of the day, don't take yourself so seriously. We all make mistakes. Yes. <laughs> Hopefully you like, if you can laugh, if you can just laugh at it 10 years later yeah. or whatever, however long oh, yeah. it takes to process it, that's ultimately the end of the day. Like, and some of this can be applied to my personal life. Trust me, don't take myself too seriously. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that, I think that's, I think that's, that's awesome stuff to, to work through and talk about. Owning mistakes is a huge piece of the puzzle, but it all boils down to, mm-hmm. to ego and trust. And so let's keep having these conversations. We, really appreciate you joining and listening in again and you know this is uh if there's anything that you want to see or hear or you want to just let us know about your mistakes feel free to give us a shoot us an email at our big red pod at gmail.com that's o-u-r our big red pod at gmail.com i still cannot understand how big red pod wasn't available but that's fine we'll work through it from a branding perspective yeah. but <laughs> again thank you thank you for listening i hope you had some fun learned some stuff and if nothing else just know that i am a fraud i'm turning in my nerd card i do clearly do not know star wars and i am ashamed and sad inside thank you for admitting that <laughs> thanks everybody Hey there, thanks for tuning in to the Big Red Podcast. We truly appreciate your company and hope our conversations have been enlightening, enjoyable, and I think downright hilarious at times. As we sign off, please take a moment to think about the insights you've gained here and how you can use them to make a difference in your professional or personal life. Be sure to subscribe and stay connected with us for more episodes where we'll dive deeper into the fascinating world of support operations, share our personal experiences, misadventures, and offers to help you navigate change, all while keeping things hopefully entertaining. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, or suggestions for future episodes, please reach out to us on social media or through our website, bigredpod.com. Your input means everything. Feedback is a gift, and we are very excited to have you on this journey with us. So until we meet again, remember, keep pushing boundaries, be really good at something that sucks, and never forget that narwhals are real. Narwhals are real.